Welcome to What Does This Mean? A discussion of the Bible passages Lutherans and many other Christians read in church each Sunday. This week is Pentecost, and we promise that no matter what kind of nonsense you hear on this podcast today, none of us are drunk. We're glad you're here. Right, none of us are drunk. That's a reference to the first lesson. We'll get to that in a few minutes, but first we should say welcome. I am Pastor Javen Swanson. I'm Pastor Bradley Schmeling. And I'm Pastor Lois Palmeyer. And we are the pastors at Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We've been doing this podcast for quite a while now, each week discussing the assigned lectionary passages for the coming Sunday. It's been good for us just to have a chance to hear the scripture in different ways and also prepare sermons for Sunday. But we also hope that the discussions we have help you unlock these scriptures and find new meaning in them. I found, especially during this time of pandemic, that these scriptures speak in all new ways for me. We are recording this during the coronavirus pandemic, and normally we would be in a studio all together, but today we are recording this via Zoom. So if you think the sound quality is a little worse than normal, that is why. During this season, we have been inviting guests to join us each week, and today our guest is Eric Silvernail. Eric, welcome. Thank you. We're so glad you've joined us today. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, I work for a printing company in their IT department. Uh, I work basically, to sum it down, I work as a translator between the developers in the IT department and the customers because they both have a really different worldview. So it's hard for them to communicate. And I work kind of like a translator between the two. I play classical guitar for my own joy and I write stories for fun. I've been coming to Gloria Day for quite a while now, but just recently became a member. Made that wonderful giant step because one thing I found at Gloria Day was a family, um, and that's what I've been looking for for a long time. Um, Lee Frost is a really good friend of mine, and she heard that I was looking for a church, and so suggested that I come to Gloria Day. And here I am. My, my actual religious upbringing is more Unitarian. So a lot of my questions might be geared towards a Unitarian trying to understand this. Um, my mother was Lutheran, but my tradition, up, traditional upbringing was more Unitarian. So let that be a lesson to you for those of you who seem uh, think, I never know how to invite anybody to my church. Find out those who are interested in learning about a church, and maybe you'll be like Lee Frost, serving as an evangelist and bringing people like Eric to Gloria yes. Day. We're so glad you found us. And I love that you think of yourself as a translator. I kind of hope that part of what we do with this podcast is translate these texts for all of us who are just trying to make our way through life and make sense of these passages. I think sometimes us and we in the pastor world get sort of stuck in maybe a more like scholarly intellectual place, but it's sometimes helpful to step back and think, what is this really? That's why we call this podcast. What does this mean? What do these texts really mean? And um, we're glad that you can help us translate these texts today. 
Well, why don't we dive into our readings? Pastor Lois, would you take the first one? Yes, our first reading is from Acts 2, the story of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had come, the apostles were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who, who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and all your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listening to this, I can hear how Luke is linking the past with his message, um, giving it some legitimacy, so there's that. But he also uses this really colorful language that Joel uses. And I'm very curious on why he does that. Why doesn't he just say, God's message is universal, which is kind of what I got out of that story. Why does he have to talk about um, fire licking people and, and stuff like that? I think that's a great question. Um, I think that in the church, this Pentecost experience was must have been, a, uh, however it really happened, some kind of dramatic transition from this place of fearfulness. I mean, up until this point, they kind of were locking themselves away, but something came over them that changed them and they began to go out into the world with this you know, message on their hearts that they just have to 
speak. It's almost like they don't have a choice but to take it to the world. And that dramatic experience almost calls for this kind of dramatic language. It's almost like one way of being has really come to an end and this whole new age has dawned, at least for them, you know, and they want to share this with the rest of the world. I also think part of um, Luke's process here is to remind people, um, and Peter's process too, to remind the people that are listening that this isn't something that is unusual for God. God has always been telling us this would happen, and we've we've been the ones to kind of forget that message. Look, I can even quote old prophets that you would remember who told us this kind of stuff, and um, we we kind of ignored what they were really describing. And you know what? What if we actually took them at their word and said God is going to like lick the earth with fire to do something major to get our attention and it, it changed them. You know, I think this this event really changes Peter and gives him a boldness and a intoxicating um, confidence to say, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to just go out and let people know I really believe God is doing something in our lives right now that we can experience. I was also thinking that if we were gathering in church Sunday morning, this is always a really fun Sunday because we pull out all the red stuff and we we often have those like those big poles with the red ribbons and we red and orange and yellow ribbons and we wave them around and um, liturgically Luke who we think is the author of this did us a big favor by giving us all this great imagery um, because then we get to have really fun worship on <laughs> Pentecost Sunday. Eric you you mentioned about the message being universal um, and I think that's really important to note that that's really what is beginning to to stir in this is that a message that had been held within a small group is now heading out into the world and is meant for everyone. And we'll see as the New Testament goes on that that crosses all kinds of boundaries and barriers that the you know, the ancient world had set up between Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free men and women, you know, as we hear in the next, in the next lesson, and that God's, God's redeeming love is going to keep doing that. And I think still is, you know, anytime we try to set up some kind of barrier between an us and them, God sends us right over it, often with dramatic tension around it too. You know, I mean, every movement that the church has gone through from being closed into increased openness comes with a kind of fire in it. There's fighting, there's anger, there's tension as some try to hold back the spirit while others are walking with that spirit into a new age. Maybe that's a good place for us to take a quick break and come back in a moment.
Welcome back. Our second reading is from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, um, and we're reading chapter 12, verses 3b. One of those times we have that little starting at the second part of the verse, 3b through 13. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the, the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free and we are all made to drink of the one Spirit. I found this text unusually easy to understand. Since it's Paul that's writing, he's usually very hard for me to grasp, but um, he was very clear on this. Maybe that's a message in itself. For me, the, the Unitarian inside of me really cringes at the word Holy Spirit, but I'm finding through these texts to understand it a little better. Like here, what does it mean when it says... No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I don't think Paul is saying that literally, that you can't literally say that unless you have the Holy Spirit. It's more like what this passage is telling me is that it is by your actions and by using your gifts for the common good and for the church and the community. In that way, we are saying Jesus is Lord. Can I ask you a question, Eric? Yeah. If from your background, what makes you cringe about the Holy Spirit? Because it has a ring of magic to it, and it has a ring of divinity to it that we can only attribute to God, according to the Unitarians at least. It's hard for me to take this three and make them in one body. Although there was a great uh, philosopher, mathematician, Nicholas of Cusa, I think, who talked about how it's not really one plus one plus one, it's more like one times one times one. And he used that to show how this, this is a unity together. But still, it's, it's also, what does, what does Holy Spirit really mean? Uh, is it a fire? Is it energy? Is it just a manifestation? It's, that, that's a more harder word to interpret than like Son of God or God. What a great question for Pentecost Sunday. That's perfect, Eric. The, the word spirit is the same root, same word as breath 
or wind in Hebrew. Um, and in Greek too, it's, it's pneuma, which means like your, your breath. So it's like when God breathed into Adam and created human life, created livingness within that creation, God gave God's breath, God's Holy Spirit into, into that first creature. And I always love that image of saying it's our God breath in us. Um, the God breath is the spirit that's breathing um, through us, through our exchanges with one another, through our action, the way you just said that about how then when we're acting in ways that are for the common good, God's spirit is breathing through us. That's one of the ways I like to imagine it. I had a teacher once who talked about spirit, saying that there are all kinds of spirits. You know, there's team spirit, there's mob spirit, and it's it's a it's an energy that is communal that individuals get swept up into. You know, and he talked about going to a you know a game in a stadium, and suddenly everyone is swept to their feet, and you're kind of carried along with that and it kind of, it becomes part of you or in a mob you know people start smashing windows and then other people are are doing it and he would go on and say but holy spirit is that energy of of god that sort of moves in a group and then within us and you can you can tell the difference in spirits by what they produce and that whenever love is produced or justice or peace or compassion, you can say the Holy Spirit was present there. And I've always loved that way of trying to describe what the Spirit does. I think I've maybe shared this story before, but when I was in high school, I went to, I went on a retreat called Teens Encounter Christ. It was just like a completely transformational experience for me. And I remember at the very end, we were all sitting in a circle. It was the last thing we were doing, just kind of, and then it, we had a chance to tell the group what our experience had been like. And and I remember I just sat and cried and cried and cried in this circle because I was, and not because I was sad. It was just like something, like what I ended up sharing was just how I felt so deeply part of this community and so much love in this group. And after that, I remember frequently like being in church and if it was like, a really great sermon or something that really spoke to me, I would find myself crying or just, and so I started noticing when I started getting teary about something, I would kind of flag that and think and notice like the, the Holy Spirit is doing something. And I remember attributing that to the Holy Spirit. And that was sort of the way that I <laughs> noticed it. And that still happens to some extent when something really beautiful happens in the world or you know a sermon really moves me or we're singing together and something just like something stirs inside me and so i you know people often i think struggle with the holy spirit it seems to me like our confirmation students struggle more with the concept of holy spirit than god the father or jesus the son but for me the holy spirit has always been a really tangible Thing. Like I know when I'm experiencing it. And I think Pastor Bradley, your point that when it's producing love, that's a holy, that's the Holy Spirit. One thing I experience at church is baptisms. And those will always make me cry. Always. Every time this makes me cry because there's so much love in that experience. Not just 
with the parents and the child, of course, but from the whole congregation. You can feel the whole congregation focused on that beautiful moment. That's a lovely um, description of like being caught in that common good. Like we all are longing for that child to have a, a happy, full, faithful, you know, generous life. And, and I feel like the spirit is kind of blowing through the congregation there and empowering us all to have a common wish to all be saying, oh God, look at this little one, please, you know, let it be a, a fruitful, happy life for this little one. And we should say in the baptismal rite, the Holy Spirit plays a really important role. Um, we pray for God's spirit to be present in the water, to blow over those baptismal waters and for God's spirit to come into this little one who's, or big one, <laughs> who's being baptized. Um, but the Holy Spirit does play a really key role in baptism. Well, why don't we take a quick break and come back for the gospel reading. Welcome back. Our gospel lesson is John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. When I heard that the first part, I really liked because I, I can picture Jesus appearing to the disciples who are locked up, um, waiting for their own persecution, and he says, peace be with you. And the disciples are just sitting there staring at him with their mouths open. So Jesus shows them his wounds, and they're like, oh, hey, it's Jesus, hooray! Uh, that always made me giggle a little bit. Um, then he goes on and talks about the Holy Spirit, and again, breathing. I like that analogy, that breath of God on them. My question for you guys is, so he breathes on them and says that you can forgive sins and you can decide not to forgive sins. That seems a little counterintuitive about what he's saying there. So I feel like I'm misinterpreting that. Throughout the Gospels, when Jesus heals people, he often tells them, your sins have been forgiven. Like healing and and the forgiveness of sins is all kind of wrapped up together for Jesus. And I think it's helpful to think about, this isn't just about deciding you're forgiven and therefore you're not going to hell or something like that. It's, it's more like the ministry of forgiving sins is the ministry of going through the world, offering healing to people and wholeness to people. Um, which you're right, Pastor Bradley, Jesus doesn't really deny that to anyone. There are people who choose not to receive it 
or who are closed off to Jesus's offer. Um, but Jesus never really seems to say, I choose not to help you. I think there's there's power in that if you retain the sins of any, they are retained because of how many people we know that hear judgment from the church and believe that must mean there's judgment from God. Um, so if the church says I'm bad, then clearly God says I'm bad and I'm there's nothing good about me anymore. So so Jesus, I think Jesus is saying, remember, this is giving you a lot of power. Don't retain it because if you retain it, people aren't going to know the love of God. You've got this choice to share it. And if you don't share it, it's like if you don't, if you're not, if you're not translating it for people, they're going to hear that God doesn't love them. Don't give them that impression. You have to be as free with forgiveness as I've been, because otherwise people are going to have the impression that God has forsaken them and God has not forsaken this earth. So I'm, I'm sending you like it's, it's the challenge Jesus is giving us to say, don't blow this. They need to hear about the love of God. You have to teach them this. In my, in my place, I'm not going to be here. It's going to be up to you to do that. The line that really um, stood out to me during this time of pandemic was, and he breathed on them. I was like, no, you should not be breathing. You should not be breathing on them. You should be six feet away and wearing, all of you should be wearing masks. There should be no breathing on one another. And they're all in one place behind closed doors. Like, ah, oh, spread out, spread out. Open the windows. Um, these three passages talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, and that's why I really enjoyed reading them because I liked delving into that aspect that of Christianity that I've always shied away from. These passages are telling me that the whole, if I can sum it up, the Holy Spirit allows us to speak the Word of God, to show the Word of God in a universal way, and allows us to give our talents to the community. Um, it's through God that we give our talents, and in the last, the Holy Spirit gives us permission to forgive each other, to, to um, feel love for each other. It sounds like you've got your three-point sermon all ready to go. <laughs> Eric, you're a prophet. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and not to trash on the, I'm not trying to trash on Unitarians. One thing they really focus on is the, uh, that people are redeemers in Christ, that they're bringing the message of, of, of God to the world. I think that's what Jesus is saying in this, is in the same way that I have brought redemption to the world, you now carry the same spirit within you. Amen. Eric, thank you so much for joining thank us you. today. This has been a great conversation. We're so glad you were with us. We're also interested to hear from you what you think all of this means. You can drop us a note at pastors at gloriadaystpaul.org. We also hope you'll rate the podcast and leave a review on whatever service you use to listen to podcasts. Thank you to Eric Silvernail for joining us today. Thank you also to our assistant music director, Paul D'Amico Carper, for providing the music you heard today, and to Marshall Saunders of Minnesota Podcasting for producing these podcasts for us. You can join us for worship every Sunday during the pandemic at 9.30 a.m. online. And also join us on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for a time of learning and fellowship. Thank you so much for joining us today. Know that God is with you, God loves you, and God will provide what you need for today. This has been What Does This Mean? A podcast created by Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. You can find Gloria Day online at www.gloriadaystpaul.org. 
This podcast has been produced by Minnesota Podcasting, and they can be found online at www.mnpodcasting.com.